skills are changing so rapidly right now in the economy that for many, many individuals, you know, sort of this treatment of go to school for four years and that's my formal education program, it's done. Now I'm just going to be in career for the rest of my life. That's just not realistic. You're going to be returning uh, to education programs in a variety of settings. Welcome to Reality Check, a weekly podcast about anything and everything having to do with education. I'm Jeannie Allen, founder and CEO of the Center for Education Reform. We chose the name Reality Check because a lot of what you read about education these days is often wrong or misleading. If you want to know what's really going on in American education, from K through career, you're going to need a reality check. I am so pleased to welcome Michael Horn to Reality Check today. He's a great friend, a dynamic speaker, a major innovator who actually made the term disruptive innovation popular and is focused in his work about changing the way we think about how the world learns. His latest book, which just came out this month, is called Choosing College. In it, Michael strips away the noise around college to help students and parents understand why they're going to school and how to make better decisions. I'm sure I think everybody out there wants to know both, Michael. In addition to thought leadership, he serves as the head of strategy for the Entangled Group, an education venture studio. He was named in 2014 by Tech and Learning as one of its 100 most important people in the and the Advancement of Technology and Education, and is co-host with Jeff Salingo of another groundbreaking education podcast, Future You, which focuses on what's next for higher ed. Michael, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Jeannie. So I think a lot of people are probably wondering why there has to be a book about choosing college. Like, it's just so common sense. You choose college, you go to college, things happen. Isn't that what's going on in life? Uh, you know, we, we, we should only hope so, right? Uh, but obviously, as the Varsity Blues scandal shows, I think, uh, and, and, and helps show the public, uh, there are a lot of things going on with college, and it's not perfect, and people are making a lot of poor choices uh, that result in terrible graduation rates. Uh, colleges have not helped at all, I would argue, uh, and in, in many cases are not well optimized for what learners need today and, and haven't created an educational experience that helps students succeed. And the cost, as we all know, has gone up year over year over year. And so the price of making a mistake is, is worse than it's ever been, uh, I would argue, in our nation's history. And it's more complicated to choose than it's ever been. And so helping students and parents in particular think through, what am I going for? Why? What's driving me? What, you know, what's my why? I think is incredibly critical to help them understand what are the guardrails before they start going through the lists and making uh, choices about which schools to apply to and so forth. But stepping back from the fray and saying, what do I really want out of this experience? Creating and curating a list around that why and then applying accordingly. And, you know, the flip side of this, of course, Jeannie, you and I have uh, spent a lot of time working on these questions together, how to get educators to actually innovate. Uh, you know, I, I hope out of this, colleges can understand why students are, in fact, coming to them and create better experiences that better match uh, when they should be serving students. Well, one of the most fascinating things I have read or heard in a long time is this theory about jobs to be done, which I want to get into. I mean, again, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know whether it's life imitating you know, art or art imitating life, but I have seen and been part of almost every one of these so-called expectations that kids 
kids that you describe in your book, Michael Horn, she was in college, um, go to college for, help me get into my best school, help me do what's expected of me, help me get away, help me step it up, help me extend myself. And all of those things, as you describe, are actually jobs somebody is trying to basically hire someone to do. Explain that to us and how we can look differently at how we look at college. Yeah, so the basic notion of this jobs-to-be-done theory is that people don't in their life decide that I'm going to go out and buy a product today just for its own sake, or that because I'm a white male age 35 to 49 with uh, two kids in my case, that therefore I'm going to take a certain action, right? We instead, we just want to get stuff done in our lives. And so the, the famous quote from a marketing professor, uh, late marketing professor at Harvard, Ted Levitt, was uh, people don't want a quarter-inch drill. They just want the freaking hole, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and more than that, they want the hole to do something, presumably to hang a picture in their house to do some wiring, whatever it is. And so that context and the sets of reasons why we want something drives what we buy, if you will, uh, to help us make that progress. And so uh, if you step back, you realize that we do things for all sorts of reasons. And it's not just one thing that causes us to make a change in our lives, especially one so big like college. It's a series of functional pressures around the job market, uh, social pressures around what other people will think of me and what my peers are doing, emotional pressures around how I think of myself uh, in relation to others and, and what I want to, uh, how, how I think about happiness and so forth, that cause me to do something. And when you group all these forces together, these pushes and pulls that are causing us to go to college, you come out with these sets of reasons, which we call jobs to be done, and you just name them, these five jobs, uh, which sort of encompass the actual motivations that students are, are uh, using to make the decision around which school and whether to go to school, in fact, uh, that they do. Now, what's interesting about them, I would just note, and hopefully I'm not jumping you at all, Jeannie, but, you know, like you said, these are actually, when, when you say them, they're actually commonsensical reasons that you're like, oh, yeah, I've been in that position before, or, yeah, I saw my friend go through that, or my kid went through that one, right? Uh, but I think a lot of times we haven't uh, verbalized this because most people studying higher education have done it from the supply side, from the world of colleges, rather than crawl inside the lives of the students themselves and see how they actually make these decisions and what do they and don't they prioritize. And so how do we get around this beyond looking at the book and trying to kind of walk your way through it? You know, it's great because it helps you identify what the purpose is that you're even seeking college, and then you look for the college that kind of fits it. I'm, I'm boiling it really down, but there's a lot, mm -hmm. lot more there. But I'm worried today that there are sort of two polar opposites of discussion going on. There is what I had growing up, what I sent my poor children through, which is you just go, you go, right? And some did great and others, you know, are still a work in progress. And many of us can say that. And then on the other side, there are people like, oh, why do we need college? And really it's about higher ed, but how do we get us to stop saying one or the other? It isn't, aren't what you are arguing is that there's a whole bunch of opportunity in between to advance learning? A thousand percent. You've nailed it right in the head, which is that when we think about it as just college or just a two-year or four-year college, we've trapped ourselves from seeing only a few options to make that progress in our lives. But when we open it up and realize, gee, we're just trying to get more learning, more education, more experiences you can actually see a lot of different options, a lot of different things you could hire to make that progress. And my argument in the book uh, is that this sort of conversation that everyone ought to go to a four-year college immediately after high school is just so clearly misplaced because a lot of us aren't ready. 
but equally so that it doesn't mean we won't ever go to a four-year college if one right after high school isn't the right step, and that instead we need to be thinking of a much broader set of options that help all of us move forward in life and, and, and create lives that we're happy with and satisfied with. And what I'm excited about in particular today is, as you know, there's a ton of innovation right now in the higher ed world more generally, creating all sorts of programs that in many cases are college alternatives. Some of them are faster and cheaper than college. Uh, Some of them are more exploratory. Some of them are more experiential. Some of them are more work-based. And they're creating a whole variety of pathways that I think all students regardless of your income level, uh, ought to be thinking about once they figure out, okay, why am I going? What's the progress I'm trying to make? And then once I understand that, let's step back from the product category of college to look at all these options and figure out what's the right one for me right now. Not to say that it won't change again a few years later. What do we say to the student out there who um, is kind of in this netherworld on college and we're helping them either delay or choose the right job that's going to fill the bill for their future. And they're like, yes, but if I don't go now, I'll never get hired. Or I'm not respected if I don't have the four-year degree from the highly selective institution according to the college board. Like, how, how do we break through that? Yeah, I think it's a combination of a couple things. One, I think government and employers have to really stop requiring degrees uh, for all jobs and look much more at the knowledge and skills and what you're expected to be able to do on the job to just break this hold that we have that sort of caused students to rightly, I think, in some cases feel like, oh, my God, if I don't go to school, I'm not going to break out of this, right? Uh, The second thing I think we have to do is show students that there are a lot of pathways through life, and it's not this linear rat race that we've constructed where if you're not done with everything by age 21 or 22, somehow your life is going to be a failure, that in fact there are different meandering pathways to success. Uh, as long as you have somewhat of a plan and some guardrails up front on what you will and won't do. So, for example, uh, in the book, we take the view that many more students would, would benefit from what's commonly called a gap year, or we started to call it discovery year, where you actually invest in yourself and learn about yourself. But importantly, you know, I don't think that should stretch on for multiple years uh, without you going to some educational experience at some point so you can start to get some credentials and, 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 uh, and move up. Uh, I think it should be a very clear, dedicated year where you're going through several different experiences, learning about yourself to figure out what do you like, and then you can choose an educational program in accordance with that. If you waste, quote-unquote, one or two years before you go into school, but you actually know what you want to do by the time you go to school, you're going to be so much better off than the student who goes into college, takes eight years to graduate, uh, which is a lot of students, uh, piles up a whole bunch of debt, and at the end of it comes out and actually still has no idea what they want to do. And so that meandering in that uh, pathway is just a dead end, whereas if you can be more purposeful on the front end, uh, I think we can create a very different narrative. And we've got to show students that this just isn't, quote-unquote, for those students or for this student or, or you know, for uh, the Obama's uh, daughter or things like that, that actually anyone can benefit from this as long as they're uh, purposeful about it on the front end. Well, and it seems to me that's really at the heart of what you meant when you work with Clayton Christensen to kind of coin the term disruptive innovation. So how how can we apply that more fully? So, for example, I think it was you, Michael, who came up with the notion or at least helped popularize the notion of credentialing and badging. So mm-hmm. if I want to go hire an institution to help me learn to um, maybe do something, but I'm not yet ready to go to college, 
are there institutions that could at least give me sort of a halfway mark and then later take those and trade those up for uh, maybe a two- or four-year degree? Yeah, absolutely. I'm super intrigued by places like BYU Pathway Worldwide, where they're doing a certificate-first approach. So, in other words, you jump in. You don't start with gen ed courses in your college experience with uh, this program. You start with a set of courses that will result in a certificate that has market value that industry will recognize and that will help get you a job. And what they're seeing is when you get that uh, credential up front that actually helps you advance in the workplace, you are more likely to come back to college. You are more likely to persist uh, by significant margins because now you have an affinity for the institution that's actually helped you and added value. And then all of those credits count toward a degree. And you just do your gen ed sprinkled throughout later on in the experience. And you actually get a degree that will level you up even further. I think that's a tremendous way to think about this. You see a lot of these competency-based programs like Western Governors University, Southern New Hampshire's College for America, Capella University, uh, and the like that are starting to offer programs where they can recognize prior work experience that you've had and count it for credit toward a degree. Those sorts of trends, I think, are tremendous because they get you on the pathway much quicker uh, to, to getting, a, you know, getting a piece of paper, if you will, uh, that allows an employer to see what you know and, and, and can do. And I would be remiss if I said the other side of this is, you know, we see all these boot camps coming along, uh, programs like LinkedIn Learning and the like, that are creating a variety of ways to recognize achievement and actual skill sets that students uh, acquire through their various programs in ways that are actionable for employers and recognized by employers that actually get people ahead. You know, it's fascinating that there are this just thousands and thousands of opportunities out there. And you talk about that in the book, that it's not just one set. You shouldn't just look at the rankings. The rankings don't really tell you anything unless you're really trying to map this to your needs. And yet I think a lot of people don't realize how many thousands of institutions are out there that might actually fit the need of the student. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, look, there's there's 4,000 degree granting institutions uh, in this country. Uh, and once you step back from that, and you're like, wow, that's a lot. And you realize, hey, if I want to be a physical therapist, for example, going to a brand name uh, nationwide school, it actually is not going to have a lot of value for you. It is going to have a big price tag. And so once you start to understand some of these whys and what you really want to go for, then you can start to narrow in ways that you wouldn't otherwise expect. And, you know, Frank Bruni wrote a great book, I think, of where you go is not who you'll be, showing that if you apply yourself in these schools and you build networks, you can do great anywhere. But the question is starting with that purpose-driven question, because otherwise I would say, look, if you just look at the statistics, you're right. On average, you know, every one of us ought to go to an Ivy League school. That would be wonderful, right? But the reality is it doesn't match most of our realities, and it's super selective, so most people aren't going to be able to have that experience. And so you've got to step back and say, okay, what's driving me, and then how can I broaden my set of choices so that whatever I choose will actually help me make progress? And that's an Ivy League university, great, but it doesn't have to be is the point. Right. It could be something no one's ever heard of and who cares mm -hmm. because fundamentally yep. if you get what you need, if you, if you get the job done, as you argue, mm -hmm. you should be able to go on. Is there, kind of going back to this notion of college or, is there still data that suggests that having a college degree matters economically and, and to what extent is that important for the future? 
Yeah, so on average, there's no question that having a degree, on average, uh, improves your job fortunes. And, and the return on investment, it's gone down, actually, in recent years. Uh, but the Fed, Federal Reserve, uh, estimates that it's roughly a 14% return. The funny thing, though, is there's starting to be these what I would call anomalies that should make you question uh, that average number or, or sort of status quo uh, uh, observation or what I think you, Jeannie, would call the blob uh, assertion, um, which is uh, we see a tremendous amount of underemployment from graduates with bachelor's degrees. And what I mean by that is that they're going into jobs after they graduate college that don't actually require, in many cases, those bachelor's degrees that they just earned. Mm-hmm. And you'd say, oh, well, that's not a big deal, right? Because uh, all of us have had weird first jobs out of college and it works itself out. But it actually turns out that if you undermatch in your first job out of uh, uh, college, that your fourth, fifth job are likely to be significantly lower in terms of pay scale and, and rank and so forth uh, as well. And so it actually has huge impact on your pathway. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about the bachelor's degree and sort of questioning the hegemony of it is that there's 28% of associate's degrees in technical fields largely, so these are from community colleges largely, uh, that actually out-earn uh, bachelor's degrees on average. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually see that there's multiple pathways starting to emerge. And then on, what's top of, on top of that, there are some certificate programs that seem to be out-earning bachelor's degree holders as well. And then you've got this world of general assembly, coding, boot camps, Lambda school, uh, things like that, Kenzie Academy starting to emerge, that are these faster and cheaper on-ramp programs to get people into a first job and, and, and help them progress from there. And I think the data isn't very clearly out there yet, but it's an exciting time because more and more pathways are going to come and out. And I think the question people are going to have to start to ask is not what's right on average, but what's right for me right now, given where I am in life, given my current circumstance, my headspace, and so forth. And going back to that idea of badging, you know, if you go through one of those programs, it's a certificate program, and you're doing great, and you enjoy it, and you're making good life, but you still want to take, I don't know, college chemistry, or you want to do philosophy, or maybe what I hope everyone should get engaged in and become an expert in is American government, so we can Mm -hmm. actually be true civic experts of our nation. And then, but they might not get a uh, credit for it. You know, my friend Steve Klinsky, I know we've talked about Modern States Education mm-hmm. Alliance before, getting your freshman year for free. That started because he was just frustrated. There were all these great colleges who had courses online, just like the courses you'd take in person, and yet you'd take it and you couldn't get any credit for it. And so maybe we could go towards a future where even when you're out of the college life cycle, you could be learning forever and getting recognized for it, being able to put it on your resume, put it on your LinkedIn profile, and have people help elevate you through your job because you are simply continuing to learn, even if that accredited institution didn't necessarily give you a degree. A thousand percent. And things like Modern States, uh, Straighter Line, uh, uh, even you know what Coursera and Udacity have done, with Udacity with nano degrees and the mm-hmm. like, it just shows that there are ways to recognize learning that occur throughout your life. And the reality is skills are changing so rapidly right now in the economy that for many, many individuals, you know, sort of this treatment of go to school for four years and that's my formal education program, it's done. Now I'm just going to be in career for the rest of my life. That's just not realistic. You're going to be returning 
to education programs in a variety of settings, online, in person, uh, and the like, to be able to uh, level up constantly through your career. And, you know, it's been interesting since the book has come out. A lot of reporters have said, when, when, I, when we've talked about these college alternatives, they say, well, somewhat snarkily, they say, are you saving for your daughter's uh, college education? <laughs> and I say, yeah, I, I, you know, I am, because I don't know what pathway they're ultimately going to take. But I do know that even if they choose not to go to a four-year college right, right away, what's likely to be the case is that over the arc of their lives, over the arc of their careers, they're going to be learning constantly. And so those dollars and that ability to learn in a variety of formats interwoven throughout their life is going to be incredibly important, whether it counts for credit or not. And so my sense is that, like, the net cost, if you will, might be somewhat similar. It just might be spread out over a much greater time period. Now, the other thing I, I, we also talk about in the book is that colleges, I think, have to get much more rigorous about the standards and what they're representing right. uh, students' as learning at the end of this. And so this goes to the heart of uh, some people's issues with credentials, and including mine to a degree, which is that just saying someone went through the course experience and uh, that they, you know, sat through it, went through the lectures and whatever else, and therefore they've learned and we're going to give you some sort of credential. It doesn't actually tell employers what you've actually learned and what you can now do that you couldn't do before uh, from that experience. And so I love colleges, and not just colleges, but all these alternative education programs to get much more rigorous with these are our standards. And if you pass these standards, we will actually assess it and then certify it and then represent that certification uh, that has something behind it, right, so that employers or other people in your life know you've actually done it. It's, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. I think everyone ought to figure out how the American government works. You maybe don't need a certification for that, although it might not be a bad idea to represent to people you actually know what you're talking about. But uh, especially when we get into these career-focused skills and we're representing them to employers, I just don't think employers are going to believe these sorts of representations until there's something else behind them uh, besides the sort of, oh, we're, you know, MIT, trust us. I, I just think that world of brand making is, uh, is, is going to go by the uh, it's going to go by the wayside eventually. Well, and, and the issue with just sitting through a class to get a credential is the exact same problem we have and why people are so down on college today totally. in the media is because we've sent a lot of students through and there's huge debt, um, although good debt, if it helps you get somewhere, is not bad debt, right? But, yep. but they've sat through and they've just literally gotten awards for being there and being able to pay and weren't able to demonstrate on the other side. So I think that's why radio show hosts, and I've gone on my share and they're like, well, we don't really need this. We should just all go to work. <laughs> well, yeah, we can all go to work, but the whole purpose of higher education was exactly that, higher education. Because the more we know, the better we are, the more uh, we can actually contribute to not only our own lives, but um, but society. And so it, it, that is still a problem, though, right? Because higher education still is getting pretty criticized out there. Totally. And, you know, it's the same problem we're seeing in K-12 as well. I mean, you and I have been in many state capitals together on this on this question, talking about mastery-based learning instead of seat time and 
stopping, I, I think it's, it was you that found this out, that uh, a lot of the regulations implicitly define a school as, as something that occurs in the four walls of, of, of buildings and so forth, uh, but not recognizing learning that occurs anywhere. But the reality is that schools are just passing students through for, for seat time, for being there, and, and they get paid uh, for having students uh, in seats in K-12, and same thing in higher ed, effectively. You know, you attend, you sit through the lectures, maybe you don't even make it to the lectures, you get paid uh, from tuition, and it doesn't actually signify anything about the learning itself. And I think to restore trust in this system, we really need to move to that learning and what can you do <laughs> with what you've done. And, and that is the whole purpose of higher education is exactly what you just said. It's, it's a higher calling, right? It's to bring our skill level up, our knowledge up, what we can do up. And if we can signify that and represent it in an honest way, uh, I think colleges and universities would be doing themselves an enormous favor, and I think they'd be doing the learners an enormous favor. It might seem harder at first, but I think it would be effort well worth it. Cut through the noise and make better college and career choices. The book is Choosing College, How to Make Better Learning Decisions Throughout Your Life. The author's Michael Horn, who is my guest Dan Reality Check with Bob Moesta. Michael, you have been on the cutting edge. Uh, once again, you're on the cutting edge of helping people uh, redirect themselves and navigate uh, what is sometimes muck and mire. Thank you so much for being my guest today on Reality Check. Thanks so much for all that you do, Jeannie. I appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next week for another exciting episode of Reality Check. Again, today my guest has been Michael Horn, Choosing College. Look it up and stay tuned for more on higher ed and changes in innovation in the world of education. Thanks for listening to this edition of Reality Check. You can subscribe to Reality Check at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and tune in and never miss an episode. Visit us online at edreform.com and follow CER on Twitter at edreform and me, Jeannie Allen. I look forward to exploring the world of education with you and another prominent guest next time. See you then.